Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. What's up, everybody? I'm Brian Wayne, and this is another edition of Trade Negotiations on the Cheers to Comics podcast. Once again, the topic of discussion will be two. This time, Volume 2, International Flavor, John Lehman and Rob Gilroy, Image Comics, you know, all that by now. So, as I explained and have explained in the past, I'm going to go through and just randomly pick books to read that are in trade form and choose my shit right now. So, this is what we're doing. So, continuing on. Volume 2. Starts out with a bit of a prologue, and we have a construction site on this island of, uh, we'll get to that soon, but it's a a resort and hotel being built, is what's going on here. And that's, then they they find something, or the, the, the folks at the construction site, they find something odd looking, and it's like a, it's like if a pineapple boned an octopus. And they're, what is it, a fruit? And, yeah, so they think it's a fruit. And then we go back to the 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 real shit with Tony. But guess what? His partner's back. Remember, his partner got chopped in the face with an axe, and we all thought he was, like, going to die in, ho- in the hospital? Not necessarily true. He's back, and he's a cyborg. And he's still Chu's partner. So that means he's a member of the FDA now. And, uh... That also means that that Dick Appleby is also partner Colby's boss. So, he sends them on their first mission, and it is a shitty one. <laughs> There's a robbery, and the only evidence left behind is a steaming pile of shit. What's a cyberpath going to do with a steaming pile of shit? They're going to have to eat it, right? Check it out. Good news for Tony... His boy Kobe, although he is a racist prick, he's a damn fine cop as far as detective works go. <laughs> detective works go. Whatever. <laughs> and they uh, they make it to the scene, and Tony's pissed. He's like, oh, I'm not eating, or I guess I gotta eat shit. And the guy's like, well, check it out. What if we just told the boss that you ate the shit, and we just carry on from there? And pretend. And Tony's like, well, we can't not solve the case. He's like, well, we're going to actually solve the case without eating shit. How cool is that? So that they go on to uh, solve the case. And he makes the call, and he's like, oh, yeah, now, boss, we got this shit. We'll have all the, the reports to you by the end of the day. So, essentially, they get till the end of the day to 
solve this case. So, they do that, but not immediately. Um, old Colby's got some pit stops to make. First one being D-Bear, I believe. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, remember D-Bear is kind of almost responsible for Kobe getting hacked in the face because he would never would have been intrigued to go into the chicken speakeasy if it wasn't for to follow D-Bear, who is a known murderer, unconvicted murderer. Um, so he's got a grudge to pay. And he goes, and he, it's pretty much this shakedown moment, and he's like, well, I heard the FDA is paying you like 2800 bucks a month to uh, do this and this and this for him, and you're in cahoots, and blah, blah, blah. Kobe's like, well, check it out. No, you're just going to pay me $2,800 a month. D-Bear's like, nah, man. And Kobe's like, well, <laughs> take that cyborg punch, and punches him through a fucking window and lands on a goddamn car, and he's all crippled up. Still still alive, though. And he's like, let's just make it uh, 3000 a month, round it up. And D-Bear's like, uh, okay, <laughs> for whatever he can get out of that. And uh, so that's that's the first stop on their little shit mission. <laughs> I fucking love... What they're introducing here is Kobe... Not he's back. He's more capable than he's ever been, and they immediately show that he's all about business, and he's not a man to uh, um, back down from a grudge. He's no problem with a grudge, even though D Bear isn't necessarily accountable, a hundred percent. Like I was, I was kind of wondering like why he went to D Bear, but I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, in his own way, it makes sense. I guess. Not sure. Fact is, is that Kobe is. He's a badass. So after they move on from that scene, uh, they go to this bar and they sit down and Kobe gets some information from someone that he kind of very slightly sent on his own merry way to help gather information. Like it was kind of like one of the, the bank guards or whatever. He was like deputized him fakely and said, oh, go get the, this this information from the bank vault from me and... You know, you'll, whatever, you, you get the point. So, when they get to the bar, uh, Kobe gets the, the call from that guard, and he's like, oh yeah, I got the info. And they sit down, and he, like, plugs this USB chip into his head. <laughs> and he's like, don't fucking judge me. And she was like, well, dude, I, I eat people. Because <laughs> so, I can't really judge you. It's still fucking weird, though. Uh, but I like, you know, I just, at this point, you know, he's more than just, like, a robot. Like, he's able to obtain information in ways people can't in his own fancy way. That probably uh, accounts for why the FDA would want him a part of the team. So I guess that makes sense. Anyways, moving along. We get the, they get that information, and they realize that the, the people that robbed this bank are on this big, giant yacht. So they go to bust them. And when they go to Boston, it's like this black market chicken ring, of course, because everything bad in the world of true so far has to do with chicken, right? Because chicken's evil. So, yes, they uh, they bust them very quickly. That's not really much of a scene other than uh, they've, they've got a pot of gumbo going along. Chicken gumbo, specifically. And they Chew goes to taste it. But not because he wants to taste chicken, because 
that doesn't do him any good. But he wants to know where the chicken came from. And then he gets the flash, and he was like, oh, shit, son, this ain't chicken at all. I don't know what this is. And that's the end of the first chapter. And what they're showing there is the same octopus pineapple fruit that we saw in the first opening prologue. So it all circles back around. And, yeah, so that's that's essentially the first chapter. And pretty much like I already described, is more than anything... It is introducing Colby more in a much bigger capacity, and it's given this pineapple chicken, or well, I guess I kind of gave it away, uh, pineapple octopus plant. It, it's it tastes like chicken, is what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's chapter one. Carrying on to chapter two, we have <laughs> at this point in the story, we get they're not split up, but the Chu and Kobe aren't together. They're both off doing their own thing, and we start out with Kobe and his doings, and he's busting street-level egg dealers. So weird to say, right? Street-level egg dealers. But it's essentially like you're, you're very stereotypical, like, dude holding up a trench coat and has a bunch of watches. Just picture eggs instead. <laughs> he's got hard-boiled, raw, whatever you want. He's got it. Mm. <laughs> I love I love how cheesy it is. I really do. But undercover old Kobe, he busts them. And meanwhile, he's getting he gets a call from his boss and referring back to volume 1 went the the Russian vampire late the Russian and the vampire and the Russian lady escaping out in the cold and everyone's like, "Oh, she'll freeze to death. Don't worry about it." Well, she froze to death. <laughs> and they found her body. And now, um, Appleby, the boss, is calling Kobe, and he's like, where the fuck is Chu? Well, I'll tell you where the fuck Chu is. Chu is on his way to Yamapalu, which is the island I couldn't remember earlier. That's where the Paradise Valley Resort's being built. And, so yes, no, I, they're on, I say they, because when they see who he's talking to on the plane, you realize it's his brother. His brother is also on his way to Yamapalu. And his purpose is because he is the uh, exciting new chef for the restaurant of this resort. Meanwhile, Tony, he's along his way, and we don't really know why yet. And even his brother's like, I don't think you're here coincidentally. I think uh, I think you got some purpose. And then we get this flash of this uh, <laughs> this little robot rat. Well, I mean, it's not really a robot. It's a real rat, but it's got like a little cyborg guy and all of that stuff. Cyborg is just kind of becoming a theme here. I'm believing. And then you realize what this rat's about. Delivering information to this lady. And this lady is Lin Sei-woo. And she is a covert operative of the United States Department of Agriculture, currently on assignment, and Yamapalo. Now... Uh, she's, a uh, part of the USDA, is what that means, if you didn't catch that, which is the other side of the FDA. It would, it would be like the CIA and the FBI kind of type of deal, not like necessarily the other side, but another big boy, but not affiliated. So, we get that little flash of her, and she is on a mission to do something with you. Uh, I think she, I, I don't remember if she's... Um, trying to take down Chu, or prevent Chu from getting in her way from doing something, or she's after Chu, don't remember. I know there is a hit on Chu's head, though. 
It, it wouldn't be from the USDA. I think she's trying to make sure that she's not, um, or he's not getting in her way of her mission. So, carrying on, um, Chow, his brother, arrives in his kitchen to realize there ain't, that ain't chicken. Like, he was... The whole the whole point of Yamapalu is they I guess I should explain this. Yamapalu is an island that has different chicken laws. They have not adapted the United States laws of chicken, meaning it ain't it ain't illegal. It's legal. So that that's what attracted Chow to come to this kitchen. He's like, Finally I can cook some fucking chicken for real. He opens up the platter, octopus pineapple plant. I'm never gonna get tired of saying that. I'm gonna tell you what the name of this plant is actually called though. It's called a gallberry plant. We'll get to that later, but I, I should stop calling it octopus pineapple plant and the wakes of confusion and whatnot. So, carrying on, he throws a fit, um, but the mayor who was there, and the mayor, his name is, uh, well, he's not there, one of the mayor's goons there. That's what's going on. The mayor of Yamapalu, his name is... Um, more important later. Oh, <laughs> uh, Hawapui. That's why I couldn't remember. <laughs> because, uh... It's a weird name to say. I'm still saying it wrong. How pow Governor, not mayor. I'm just gonna call him the governor. My bad, you guys. My bad. So, the governor. He's pretty much behind... Chow being there. He wants his... Culinary expertise. And you realize there's a lot more of that. Because he's rounding up some motherfuckers. So when uh, Chow is walking away from the the restaurant or into the Paradise Valley Hotel, you see our Lin Sei Wu character yelling, "Hold the elevator!" Gets in the elevator. The two of them are in there, and <laughs> she just like chokes, choke kicks the poop out of him, along with, in the meantime, in her kicking stride, also manages to elbow the poor defenseless old lady, so I'm fine with that, whatever, no I'm getting away, <laughs> kidding, not kidding, and she's pretty much just like, why are you in the OSD's business, you're FDA, and he's like, oh, we should work together, and then eventually, over a long gun, not necessarily gun battle, but like, them just pointing their guns at each other for a long time, um, they realized that maybe we should just work together. Common enemy, common goal, or whatever. And that might have to do with the, uh, the vampire lady. That, or, yeah, the Russian lady. It's involved in all of that. So, as she pretty much comes to the determination that, alright, choose, or, yeah, choose cool. Let's meet up, let's talk semantics later. We're going to, I'm going to go to this bar, blah, blah, blah. She's in her room getting ready to meet up with Chu. Chu's already at the bar. He realizes this bitch is running late. And then he starts thinking like, ah, oh, maybe this, uh, there's something behind this. This is bad. Or maybe it's not bad. Maybe she's setting me up. Maybe she's not as cool as I thought. Fact is, somebody is actually attacking her in her room at that time. And, you know, uh, she don't make it. Boom. Dead. Thrown out a window. Kerspleut. And we get this mysterious mustache blondie. Uh, and 
he goes to take a bite of old Jellybean, her rat. Did I mention the rat's name's Jellybean? Her rat's name's Jellybean. And he goes to take a bite, and you realize that he's got fangs. This is that vampire motherfucker. But remember how uh, Tony's old partner, um, Mason Savoy, kept saying vampires aren't real? That vampires aren't real? Oh, son of a bitch. We've seen uh, a fanging being biting into this rat. Get more to that later, but that's actually how issue two ends. So what we're introducing here wasn't necessarily Lindsay Wu because she's just fucking dead. We're getting the reintroduction of this vampire character who's going to play a part in pretty much the rest of this volume. So it's getting good, and then we're gonna learn more about the whole Russian lady all in the next chapter. So let's move on to chapter three, shall we? All right. Well, we get another uh, prologue here. Old Chu is in uh, Yamapulu jail. 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 And uh, so we've got this, the the chief, what's his name, Kuala. And he's under arrest under suspicion of Miss Lin Sebu's murder. On account of how he was supposed to meet up with her and all of that stuff. He doesn't believe... Chew, that he's a member of the FDA yet. So he puts him in the cell. There's a little rusk, ru- a ruscus. I'm good with words right now. Hear that? Ruckus in the cell. We'll get more of that in a minute. Let's back up the second though, and we get all Amelia Mints. Miss Amelia Mints. Chew's little crushy poo. The, uh, she's, she's also on the island of Yamapulu, and she is there to do a review on some, uh, chicken. Yeah, she wants to review some chicken. Just like old Chow Chu wants to cook some chicken. So, they... She's being delivered a dish, and she's like, Oh, yeah, no, how's uh, how's Chow's dish coming? And the governor is like, Oh, well, mm, not so great, but I've got something else in the meantime. We're, we're still working on some stuff with old Chow. And then we flash over to the scene where the governor's pretty much telling Chow, like, if you don't do this... Might have to, you know, up a little bit. Just, just try, try to eat this Goldsberry. Just, just try to eat it, and tell me if it's not amazing. And then it just cuts away. Hmm. And I wonder how he feels about it. So then we go to, uh, we we get a bit of a um, an origin of the Goldsberry, and it's pretty much just saying that it is. Genetically modified and only indigenous to the island of Yamapulu, which makes it so fucking special. So yes. And then we go back to the jail cell, and Chu is, uh, he's, he's getting punked by the two bigger jailmates, jail cellmates, and Chu, for a little guy, starts throwing fists. And then, like, he draws blood, like he's bashing this dude's face in. Meanwhile, the the chief, Coelho, opens the, the cell and he's like, Chew, turns out you are in fact FDA. You cool. And meanwhile, he's like, <laughs> they're looking at both of the, the other cell dudes. Excuse me. And they're knocked the fuck out. And uh, Tony's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, oh, what's his name? Donnie Machong, and 
the the chief's like, oh yeah, he's a little drunkard, you know, he came in here, whatever. She was like, oh yeah, you don't have to worry about him coming into the drunk tank anymore on account of these two bastards right here killed him. And the dude's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, oh wait, yeah, no, you, I forgot, you're the psychopath and the FDA, and it shows a flash of Tony Chu licking their blood off of his knuckles. Fucking hardcore. It's like gross, but at the same time hardcore. That's what I'm loving about this book, really. So they take the, that information and they know that he's buried behind a certain tree. And they dig him up to take another bite and figure out, you know, just keep going from there. At this point, Tony's like, well, while I'm in town, I might as well help you solve this case. Essentially, is what's going on. And then they realize that it all revolves around a champion cock. A cockfighter cock. And they go to the uh, the safe house where this thing's being kept. And I love it. They show, like, these two. It's like your typical fucking uh, tweak house, whatever. But in the background is Mary Poppins playing on the TV. And it's like an actual screenshot of... Um, fucking Mary Poppins going on. It's not a drawing or cartoon. It's like literally a fucking photo. I, I love that. I love that. I don't see that often enough in comics. And I respect that about it. So, they go in there, and the, the name of the cock is called Poyo, by the way. Not Poyo. I'm not like, no, it's P-O-Y-O. Poyo. So, they go in there, they get the, the cack, and the, the people in the safe house have machetes up to Tony and everything, and the cop's like, oh, no, like, you can't kill him, because, like, granted, he's not a native or anything, he doesn't have any jurisdiction in this area, but that ear on his head, and if you remember volume one, he's got an ear sliced off on account of Savoy. Well, this ear now that he has is, uh, doesn't match his skin pigment, so it clearly looks very different, and the the chief is filling their head full of, bu- of a bunch of bullshit. They're like, oh, no, this, this ear is equipped with GPS signaling and blah, 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 and the FDA is actually listening on all that, and if you make a move, they'll be swarming in here faster than blah, 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 because you know how that goes. And they let him go, and meanwhile, uh, Chief Kuolo is like, oh, I'll take the, the, the cock, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up, and don't worry, I'll do my part on this. Next day, Chu's going to check in, and he's like, where's Coelho? And he's like, oh, he fucking took off, dude. Like, he's got, like, a this, this rooster that's worth a fuck ton of money. He doesn't need to be a cop anymore. Bye-bye. That's just how shit is here. But he left something for you, and you see this file there, and then you see this uh, Goldberry plant. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to eat that, because that's <laughs> what he does. But he ate it raw, and they ex- and the lady's explaining, or it explains, you know, when when cooked, it tastes identical to chicken, but when eaten raw, it tastes like I don't know. What does it taste like? We don't know. We don't know, because uh, that's that's how issue number three ends. And I dig it. I dig it quite a bit. This is more just. There's not really a whole lot to overview about this, other than the fact that Chu went through and he he helped the local police. I dig that about him, so he's he's not a, he's not a prick, and but it also helped his case with you know getting out. Even though at that point he really didn't have to, so yeah, no, I guess that doesn't matter. And now he knows what the fuck this golf player plan's all about.
So we're on to chapter four now. And we go back to a re-reference, a re-reference of Miss Amelia Mintz being greeted by the governor and being served as dish. And when the dish is served, it's this uh, Goldsberry dish. And she takes a bite. She's like, oh, well, wait a second. What are you fuckers doing here? This is crazy. She grabs a knife. She's like, get the fuck away from me. And she runs away. Don't know what that's all about. And keep in mind that she has the ability to describe food in a way to actually make the palate, the palate sense the sensations that she's uh, describing. So I'm not sure how all that works out. The fact is, she takes a bite of this weird gallsberry plant. It's supposed to taste like chicken and it freaks her the fuck out. Runs away. And... Uh, he, Governor is like, oh, well, this kind of fucking complicates things. And then we cut to the next part, where it's pretty much Applebee getting a call for all of these really disgusting possible cases that Chu could be doing, like uh, baby shit being involved as evidence, and a disgusting corpse uh, riddled with needles found in a landfill. So all these things, and of one of them also being... The Russian lady that froze to death. Now, they realized when she was in the morgue, they found bite marks on her, conducive to some other things that are carrying about, which we'll get to in a second. And so, at this point, Kobe is telling Chew, he's like, dog, like, bosses, seriously, he's, we've got a backlog of shit, and we really need to sign this, or solve this uh, case with the bite marks in the lady's neck and the frozen rookie and all that shit. Like, remember all that? And Tony's like, no can do. Got a um, chief of police that just decided to go rogue and vanish. No, and I'm and I'm in this uh, morgue full of all these bodies and stuff. And uh, hold on, bite marks? What? And he realizes that these the, the morgue is in. Some of these corpses have bite marks on them too. So he takes a bite, and he takes another bite, and he takes another bite, and he gets uh, a glimpse of this vampire-looking figure, uh, chasing, you know, and, and taking bites out of flushes and whatnot. And then we get Chu going up to the, the lady in the police office. That's the wrong word. And he's like, I'm going to need guns and guns and uh, holy water. How do you, what, maybe? Because vampires? How do you, and she's like, dog. You don't work here. <laughs> All I was for not. And so he's like, all right, I'll take this in my own hands. So he pretty much goes undercover in this way. He's trying to solve this case. Meanwhile, we realize that the, the governor is after another chef. So you realize that he uh, he wants Chow Chu because he's one of the best chefs in the world. But there's also, I'm probably going to kill this name, Fatanyama, Fatanyemo. Fatanyemo. And he is also a special kind of chef. He is the chef... He is the... Jeez. He's the chef that is able to communicate solely through cuisine. He does not speak or sign or hum or write or anything. He only communicates through cooking. So it goes to show what his skill is. He can communicate through cuisine to a level to where he can recite Shakespeare 
and bring one to their weeping knees. Their words, not mine. Or something like that. Fact is, the dude's got skill. And the governor, he wants him. He wants him good. He wants to know what he can do with that uh, gold berry plant. And so you kind of see where this is going a little bit. He's recruiting some folks. Then we get back to Chu and his undercover ways. And his purpose here is pretty much to break out his brother from the 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 custody that is the governor. Turns out his brother doesn't want to go. He tasted that gold bird and he's like, dude, stuff is bomb. Like, I'm just going to stay here. And she's like, <laughs> no. And he just fucking decks him, knocks him out cold, throws him over his shoulder, goes running out. And as he's sneaking out, he sees Amelia. Because remember, she's running around too. And he's like, oh, Amelia, I'm, I'm, I'm here to save you. And she's like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. And he's like, you want to be saved, right? And she's like, most definitely, I want to be saved. So they go running through, and he's like, oh yeah, I need to avenge the the death of that uh, Lin Sei Wu chick on account of she was a government agent. I got to do the right thing, so I got to justify it or bring it to justice. And she's like, oh yeah, just go that way towards the fire. And he's like, wait, fire? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's uh, what's going on here. And the last frame is a fucking um, uh, scope in on Shu's head with the sign going, or the, the panel going, take the shot, and that's how chapter four, well, not necessarily, that's almost how chapter four ends, chapter four actually ends with Colby and Appleby in bed, and they're both, like, mortified of the fact that they're in bed together, I think it's just Colby trying to get, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know, <laughs> it definitely has to do with distracting Appleby from... Chu not being available to do his, his work, you know, beyond, beyond these cases, but I'm not sure why they're in the same bed together. The fact that, I mean, they're not snuggling or anything like that, they're, they're just mortified. Or, well, at least Appleby is. <laughs> um, Colby's just passed the fuck out. So then we go into Chapter 5, and in Chapter 5 we get the introduction of a new character by the name of Ray Jack Montero, and he is also in the chicken industry, the fake chicken industry. He wants to recreate, um, he, alright, in his eyes, he thinks frog legs taste damn near like chicken, but damn near like chicken isn't enough, so what he's trying to do is find out the missing G D G DNA string in frog's DNA and modify it and change it to whatever that modification would be to recreate perfect chicken flavor. Perfect. Not damn near. Absolute perfection. So, he has like a, a fake chicken thing. And if you re remember back in volume one, there was a very, very slight... Uh, we had known the whole time there was a hit out on two. And we don't know who it came from. We just know that person had a bunch of fucking frogs flopping around. Well, here we are. The frogs flopping around. And remember how in the last chapter it ended with the uh, scope in on Chew's head? Well, old Mr. Montero here's the one uh, putting him out. So, they, uh... He, it, <laughs> then you also realize... So, we know where the Caesar guy comes from is what it comes down to. Caesar is much more than just a hitman. He's also responsible for the fire. 
set. So he's torched he torched this uh, this little jungle island, and um, as he's going through, <laughs> uh, really, what it comes down to is he's for whatever reason he's screaming for pollo. I'm not sure what his connection was to that that chicken, but apparently it was uh it was important to him, and it's enough to piss him off. So he's uh he's going through and just torching this field. People are dying. Just picture like Terminator or Terminator, uh, scene from the Predator, the first Predator movie, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all of that badassery, savagery, just like blasting through the the, the forest. That's pretty much the scene that I comes to mind when I'm doing or watching this. Then uh, there's all you realize that it's not just um. Caesar's group of military men blasting through and killing all of these whoever's. There's also that vampire again. And uh, uh, Caesar goes to end up taking a shot on Chu. He moves again. The guy's like, this is a squirrely little bastard. So then at this point, uh, Chu, he has no idea he's really being shot at. He's, <laughs> he's dodged it by luck. So he's looking at Amelia and his brother. His brother's got a broken jaw, by the way, on account of that clock that he did to him. And he's like, well, check it out, Amelia. Uh, she does explain to him who this Fontenero's character is, the chef that can communicate Shakespeare with his seasonings and whatnot. And he's like, well, fuck, not only do I gotta redeem old Wu, I gotta go get this Fontenero's fella. And that he does. So he goes in with uh, guns a-blazing and one of the uh, guns, plural, one of them bang-bang gun, the other one squirt-squirt gun. <laughs> I'm assuming that's holy water and that squirt gun. Seriously, squirt gun. So he shows up, expecting a vampire. There's a fucking vampire there. The vampire also wants Fontaineros. And the governor's like, oh, this is, uh, this is interesting. And Chu goes up and he's like, dude, vampire, I'm not letting you take this. And fucking governor comes up and bam, back of the head, lamp, but not to the vampire, to Tony. And he's like, "Oh no, you could take him. You, you know, it's." I'm, I'm guessing the fact is, is the governor's more afraid of the vampire than he is Tony. So he's like, "Oh no, you, you, you could take him. It's cool. It's, it's cool." I don't know what he sounds like. I don't know what that accent was. <laughs> and, uh... So, they, they go along their merry way, seemingly. Well, definitely. And in the meantime, uh, <laughs> son of a bitch. It's kind of dark, actually. It gets super dark. After the governor explains, you know, such and such about the, the, the fruits, we also realize that the reason behind all this fire at this point in time was uh, um, old Montero was threatened by the Galsberry fruit because he wants his frog chicken to be better. And he heard that there's something that tastes exactly like chicken that he can't get his hands on. He's like, oh, I'm going to fucking torch this goddamn field. And that's where all the flamethrowers came from. I guess I left that out. I'm not great at this. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> so, they, uh... That, that's, that's where the fire comes from. And you get the call saying, well, no, the it's been eradicated. There is no more of that. And when 
the governor realizes that, and he's like, well, check it out. I've got nothing. And there's vampires running around. And that's why I let him go, because I was afraid that if I didn't, he would have... I don't want to be undead. And then, bam, he blows his fucking brains out. That's... He, he's still worried about being a vampire. He just fucking blows his brain, brains out. Then we get this flash of Mason Savoy again. Back to the scene where we saw the, the, the Russian lady and the bite marks originally and all of that. And Mason again is once exclaiming, there is no such thing as vampires. Well, at this point, we have to... Right? You would think we have to believe. Well, otherwise, check it out. What we do get is that third mysterious cyberpath that exists, no, knowingly exists, but does, unknowingly, to his, uh, there's no known identity to this known... It, that was great, huh? You know what I'm trying to say. There's three cyberpaths out there. We know that Mason Savoy and Tony Chu are two of them. We don't know who the third one is. Now we do. Because all of that biting and everything was not vampiristic. It was him pretending to be a vampire because he files down his vernaculars. That's not what they're called. Um, his canines. and But he's biting into all of this stuff, not to drain their blood, but to absorb, or um, do, or, be a cyberpath. Assumingly. Assumingly. So then we, we get the flash to Fatanyama preparing this meal for... He still doesn't have a name. He's just the vampire at this point to me. And Fatanyama's like, oh, no, I appreciate you saving me. And he makes him this dish. And the vampire's like, I had no intention on saving you. I want to absorb you. And then we go, yeah, what the fuck does that mean? We don't know yet. I'm assuming I'll be explaining that more to you later. Because that's essentially how the bulk of this story ends, this volume ends. Other than Tony getting a call from Amelia... When he's back at his desk, he's back home, Applebee's all being nice to him for whatever reason. Oh, probably because he solved that fucking case. The vampire teeth and whatnot. It's not necessarily, like, brought to redemption, but at least now they know what the fuck's going on. And, uh, or at least seemingly. They don't know that he's not a vampire yet. They still kind of think he's a vampire. There's, there's a lot of questions to be answered still, which is all the more reason to keep reading this. But what it comes down to is Tony finally gets a, a confirmed date with old Amelia, and she's watering her plants, oh, everything's all nice, she's watering her plants, they zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, it's one of them Gallsberry plants growing in her bushes, no one knows what the fuck that's supposed to mean, once again, I'm sure we will find out later on in the next volume. So that is how Volume 2 ends. Once again, it is international flavor, and you can see why they call it that, because they go to the island of, uh, um, that Yapapuza or whatever the fuck it's called. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Yamapulo. And, yeah. So, overall, I, I, I don't know if this was as strong, as, as grabbing as Volume 1, but it's equally as intriguing. Um, there, it introduces a lot. I like how we think we're getting ready to see this badass USDA agent and um, uh, Lin Sei Wu. And they just fucking kill her. Just boom, dead. Like like if it were out of a Batman movie or something. <laughs> a Batman comic. The fact is, is that John Lehman and Rob Gilroy continue to impress. And I look forward to Volume 3. And discuss, or 
yeah, uh, going over Volume 3 with all of you guys. So thank you again for tuning in to another edition of Trade Negotiations. And we'll carry on with this, I promise. Uh, in the meantime, you guys know where to find us and listen to us. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Become a Patreon. That would be fucking awesome. We initiativeize it pretty good. Um, you, you get stuff out of it. Other than content and just being a glowingly amazing person. Um, also, you guys know where to listen to us. Podbean, Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and uh, YouTube. So, thank you so very much for tuning in once again. You guys read responsibly. Cheers.